Well, this series that we've been doing in teachings are all about hearing from God. And the truth is we need to hear from God more than ever before. COVID-19 and racial tension, political tension, all of you that are going back to school and the teachers, we just need to keep saying, God, speak to us, speak loudly to us. Well, I have great news today, great news. He does speak to us very loudly, very clearly. We can discern God's voice. Jesus said it so clearly, I am the good shepherd. He goes on and he says, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. When I was in Africa, I saw this watering hole in northern Kenya. And there was all of, I mean, count, literally countless animals, all sorts, all over the place for this one watering hole. And I saw these sheep that were going, this group of sheep and this group of sheep, and there were camels, and there were all sorts of different animals, and, and these different sheep were all together. And then I saw this one shepherd say a few words, and just like every other sheep just snuck away and followed their shepherd because they knew their shepherd's voice. And for me, in the desert there in northern Kenya, that became tremendous worship as I just said, Lord, I want that. I want so clearly to know that when you speak, it's your voice, and I can hear it, and I promise to obey. And so the great news today, he does speak to you. The complicated news is that there are other voices as well. You have God's voice speaking to you. You have the enemy's voice. The devil wants to pull you away from God. You have your own voice speaking and you have friends and other people speaking as well. And so the question is, how do you discern truly the voice of God? When God says, I'm the good shepherd, I speak, you know my voice. How can we know God's voice? Well, I want to give you today three questions that you just, you ask these questions, you will be able to discern the voice of God. To get to those three questions, I want to take you into uh, one of my more excited stories of Scripture that really draws me in. All of them do, of course, and it's kind of embarrassing to say every week, this is my favorite Scripture, because <laughs> this kind of is at the top. It's so legit to the story of what God does. This is the story right after Jesus has risen from the grave. It's the day of, and it's called the Emmaus Road Journey. And there's some two men who were following Jesus who they were perplexed, very confused about the events of what had just happened. There's lots of rumors going around. People think, I think he rose from the grave like he said he was. And so the guys are walking back to Emmaus, which is between five and seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they're walking, well, Jesus joins them. And in there, we learn three questions to ask to discern the voice of God. If you have your Bibles, feel free to turn there, or you can go to your Bible app, or it'll be on the screen. Luke chapter two, or 24, starting at verse 16. As they, the two men, talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and started walking along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Before I take it a little bit further, I looked at many translations, looked at the original text, the original Greek. It clearly says, God kept them from recognizing his voice. Well, <laughs> why, didn't, why would Jesus stay hidden when this is such a significant moment? 
Well, I want to make the argument that Jesus in the next 40 days is going to be back on his rightful throne in heaven. And so he's starting to teach as the perfect teacher. He's starting to teach us how to discern his voice. So if he instantly comes up, says, hey, guys, and they go, hey, Jesus, I recognize you. They would know this is Jesus and we should listen more closely. But now they have to discern more closely. So it goes on, the very next verse. Jesus asked them, of course, they don't know who it is, what are you guys discussing together as you walk along? You can almost see the smirk on Jesus' face. Like, he's like, he's kind of egging them on here a little bit. And they, they stood still and their faces were downcast. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And again, I, I wonder if there's a smirk. Jesus says, What things? Like, he just is completely agging him on right now. But he's staying hidden. I I believe because he's wanting to teach us how to hear his voice. We'll get to it as we go. It goes on in verse 19. They said, about Jesus of Nazareth. How do you not know? What do you, you, how do you not know this? And they said, he was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And they tell the story. Jesus is like, I want to know if my my people can tell the story well. And they said, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. And, And they go on. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem all of Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all of this took place. In addition... Some of our women amazed us. You see, today they went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen visions of angels, and they said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb, and they found it just as the woman had said. The women had said, but they didn't see Jesus either. Uh, You have this incredible nature of they're just laying it all out. And I almost wonder at this point if Jesus is um, his smirk or the joy in his heart as he's wanting his people to learn how to tell the story. I'm wondering if his joy inside is starting to turn to frustration. Because notice what they were saying. These are all rumors. These are all just, there's a lot of town gossip going on right now. But they don't show a lot of confidence. The reason I say that, the very next verse, verse 25, Jesus shows great frustration. And Jesus responds, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Why are you so slow? Did not the Messiah have to suffer all of these things and then enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus goes into a a really incredible Bible study teaching them, did you guys not understand that these were all prophetic events that had happened? So you see a frustration in Jesus. Verse 28, as they continue to walk, and I mean, what an incredible Bible study. You want to talk about, (laughs) they're getting all this incredible information. Verse 28, As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on 
as if he were going a bit further. But they urged him strongly, no, 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 stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over anyway, so come with us and stay with us. And and, and it says, so Jesus went in to stay with them. If you've ever read any of the stories of Jesus, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's incredible you can see a pattern happen. There are many different times where Jesus, like one of my favorites is when you have the disciples are in the middle of a storm and Jesus was walking on water during a storm. Crazy story. I mean, it's like, how does this even happen and why is he doing this? But the funny part of the story is it said Jesus had intended to pass on by. And they said, hey, Jesus over here, aren't you going to rescue us? It's like Jesus wants us to invite him in. I I wonder if there are just times in our lives where you're going about your business and you put your head down and and you just try to fix it yourself. Last week we had on stage some blocks that keep us from hearing the voice of God. And really one of those was, I'm going to, it's lack of faith. I'm going to do it myself. And so you pray with an intention of saying, okay, God, while I'm praying this prayer, you're still doing all this work trying to fix it. And I almost wonder if there are times we're so busy that we're just, we don't have the faith that Jesus is going to show up. And so I wonder if he just passes on by sometimes. And they said, no, Jesus, they didn't know it was Jesus. Come, come in with us. When Jesus was then at the table, and this really leads us to the three questions. Jesus took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he began to give it to them. Verse 31. Whew. Then their eyes were opened. <laughs> they, they saw with their own eyes and it says their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus and he then disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? In other words, how could we not have seen it? Incredible. Then they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, those with them, assembled together. And they said, it is true, the Lord has risen, and he has appeared to Simon. Then the two told exactly what had happened on the way, and they were so excited telling the story and how Jesus, recognized, how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke bread before them. An incredible story. This is an incredible moment in our history. So I want you to to keep this story in your mind as I unpack the three questions I believe come from the story we just read. And the, the first one in discerning the voice of God is this question. Is it written? You may say, I've never thought to ask the question, is it written, when I'm trying to figure out if God is speaking. But if you notice, what was the very first thing that was occurring or was described when their eyes were opened? When they finally discerned that was Jesus, what was the very first thing they said? Were not our hearts completely filled with a burning and a fire inside when he did what? When he opened the scriptures to them. 
You see, when Jesus was in his earthly ministry, one of the very first events that he experienced was temptation in the desert. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he was tempted by the devil. And during this time, we watch how Jesus was able to fight back and push back the darkness and at the same time stay close to the Father in the midst of probably next to the crucifixion, some of the darkest parts of his, of his journey. Well, how did he push back the devil? How did he stay close to the Father? Every time the devil, who, by the way, knows Scripture as well, Every time the devil came to him and spoke about the scriptures, you notice the devil in every one of those verses twists scripture in his image. And so every time Jesus responds, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the voice of God, from the very mouth of God. Jesus knew what was written in the scriptures. It is written, do not test the Lord your God, says Jesus. You see, Jesus was very clear in his ministry that God is consistent. The same God who brought the miracles in Abraham's journey to Moses and setting the Israelites free to, to the prophets and David and all the, the incredible moments in, in history Every single time you see the same God who did all of that to be consistent with his word. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which tells you, if you start to hear something that is contrary to something that you would read in the scriptures. I've had people come to me and they say, Pastor, I, I believe that God is telling me to marry that man. And I'll ask, well, is, is he a fellow believer in Jesus Christ? And they won't say this, but they'll say, they'll muddle around. They'll never say point blank no. They'll say, well, kind of. But what they really mean is he's cute. <laughs> and what they really mean is I'm going to figure out anything I can to get my own agenda. And what they're doing is they're forcing God's voice and trying to get the scriptures to be written in a way that it really never has been intended. God is very clear. You, you marry someone who has similar belief system or there will be a brokenness. And so if they don't have a following of Jesus Christ, you're going to be a divided household and you're going to have tons of tension. So pray for that person and wait until they meet Jesus Christ. I've heard of some incredible journeys people are taking right now. During COVID, there's lots of reflection. And I heard recently of a, a young lady in our church that went through a breakup because she couldn't stay with this man because he wasn't moving in the same direction she was. You see, she didn't have to try to look for all these signs in the clouds. God, show me a sign that you want this man in my life because I know you love his soul as much as I do. Yeah, then, then be patient. God has already spoken. It is written. Marry somebody who's, who's also a follower of Jesus Christ. Don't be unequally yoked. I, I hear this with, with giving. I'll, I'll start giving generously, and I'll be a generous person to the church and to the world and around me when I get a better job and when I get that promotion. And God says, it's written, just give by faith first fruits. Second Corinthians is so clear. Just lay it out there before the Lord. Leviticus is clear. All different places. And so just give. There are times of plenty, you know, times... Sometimes we take on vengeance and we say, you know, if you read the Old Testament, 
you'll see all sorts of places where God just destroys the enemy. So I believe that's God telling me I'm going to destroy the enemy. But if you realize that every time God does something in the Old Testament, it's for the purpose of bringing Jesus Christ into the world. It's for the agenda of God. Violence isn't God's way. If you look at the whole of the heart of God, God says, vengeance is mine, not yours. Turn the other cheek. Walk the extra mile with that person. Pray for your enemy. Don't bring vengeance. But we're so quick to want to justify our actions and say, that must be God's voice. So the first thing I challenge you to say is, is it written? Hence, you can probably understand where I'm going to go with this. That's the importance of daily Bible study. Being in the Word every single day. Hear God's voice. He's consistent. God's not going to contradict himself. You say, well, I, I've seen contradictions in the Bible. I haven't. Every time somebody's come to me with a contradiction, I've given context and people go, oh, I didn't know that. And that makes sense. God's consistent in his word. And so ask the question, if you're trying to discern God's voice, is what I'm hearing in my mind right now, is the prompting of my spirit, is it written in scripture already? Because God will not contradict what he's already said. Question number two. What does this feeling produce? What does this feeling that I have or this thought in my mind, what does it produce within me? If you were to look back at the story we just read, in, in verse 33 it, it says so clearly, that very hour they were in Jerusalem. So do the math for a moment. They were in Emmaus. They got to their home in Emmaus. Jesus now they realize it's him. He disappears from their sight, and they're like, he is alive. What does it say? That very hour, they were in Jerusalem. That's five to seven miles. Let's just do, let's split the difference. It's six miles. Imagine, they didn't have Nikes on. They had sandals on. I mean, they booked it. They sprinted that very hour. They were in Jerusalem and they were telling the other 11 disciples, you can't, you will not believe what just happened. We saw Jesus with our own eyes. He is truly alive. What is my point? They were filled with such a joy. You see, because when you hear from God, it changes you. It invokes life. It invokes an energy because your God is for you, there is a power that surges through you with the Holy Spirit. You just get a, a prompting. So if the prompting, however, prompts you towards some kind of action that brings hurt into this world or some kind of sin, let's call it what it is, you could really quickly say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There is all sorts of garbage rising up in me. Let me give you an example. In Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul later writes about this very occurrence. He says, you can know what's going on by the fruit that comes out of you. He says it this way. The acts of the flesh, when you're hearing from your own selfish desires, it's pretty obvious. You're going to have some kind of sexual immorality rising up, some impurity, some debauchery, some idolatry. You start worshiping something other than God some kind of witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. 
The list goes on and on and on. I mean, his point is, you can tell when it's coming from your flesh. So if you start to have this, you have an event happening at work where there's all this tension rising up and everything in you is jealousy. And you're continuing to say, God, I'm just begging you, smite them. <laughs> you may not pray it that boldly, but you're like, Lord, just give me favor. And we, we Christian ease it pretty well. Lord, just bless me. Will you just bless me? All the while in your heart, there's all this jealousy and fits of rage and fits of trying to step on the other person. You can rest assured there's not a whole lot of openness maybe happening in your heart in this moment. But he, he goes on to say, but these people won't inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, you won't experience the fullness of what God's kingdom can be in your life if you're living for and listening to your own voice. But, but he goes on, but the fruit of the Spirit is obvious as well. Love will come out of you. Joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience. You're going to have kindness and goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I mean, these are the things of the Spirit of God. So I ask the question when I start to have a prompting, God, are you calling me to step in this direction? I'll ask the question, first, is it written? Does this go contrary to your word that you've already written in the Scriptures? If the answer is no, then I ask the next question. Okay, what's being produced within me? Does this thought, this prompting that I sensed from the Lord, is it prompting me to bring the kingdom of God to light? Or is this my way of manipulating the situation so that my agenda gets pushed through? Only you can answer the motive in this moment. Only you really know what's going on. And if you want to truly hear from God, then you need to truly answer this question. What's being produced in me? What's going on? If you find yourself in school and, and all that's ahead, we have a, 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 I'm so grateful we prayed as a church today. We're going to keep praying uh, every single day and we're going to find just ways to just care for and bless our teachers and our students. This is a complicated time for us. We're going to do it together. And as we push through this together, I, I just want to keep reminding you what the enemy produces, doubt dissension, distraction, a spirit of defeat. If you sense these kinds of things, you're not hearing. This is not God speaking. You're failing. God is going to speak life and vitality into you. And so that leads to, because I want to discern, God, what are you saying in these moments? It leads to a third question that I ask that has an infinite number of times in my own life, I'd say countless times I've experienced God's voice through this question, do others confirm it? Do others confirm it? You see, think about what happened when the disciples there that day realized it was Jesus. They put on their Nikes and they sprint because of the joy inside of them and they start telling the evangelistic story of Jesus Christ. I mean, within that hour, there's all this joy. A lot is being produced for the kingdom of God. Then, but notice what their question was. We're not our, our hearts, we're not our hearts burning. And what was their first desire? To run and be with the body. 
You see, when God is in the midst, God is going to give a collective voice. When God is speaking boldly about a next step for your life, don't do it in isolation, ever. That's why the pandemic has been so complicated, but I'm so grateful for social media. All the ways we've been able to stay in touch, all the ways through Facebook, through texting, through emails, we've been able to stay connected. Now some in-person, it's so great to see your faces every week. This is incredible because we are made for community. We are wired to be together. And you think about all the ways that God speaks through the body of Christ. I mean, you have Moses speaking through Jethro and you have David getting spoken to through Nathan and Saul through Samuel. You have Mary through Elizabeth. I mean, you have all these examples in Scripture of people hearing the voice of God. And so I want to challenge you, and I say very clearly, it's got to be somebody who's a strong believer with you to surround yourself with people who you know are deep Christ followers. Now, of course, I want to always invite you to have relationships with people who don't know the Lord. But what happens, I've noticed a lot of times, is when you build a good, close relationship with somebody who is not yet following Jesus Christ, as you build a friendship with them, if your default is to go to them for advice, a lot of times you may not get the a strong, discerning voice because, frankly, if, if a person's not yet walking in the light, if they're walking in darkness, how are they going to be able to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit? And so I ask you this question. Do you have a strong believer who you know can check your spirit when you are trying to discern what God is asking of you next? This may be the very next step you need to take in your life, to find somebody that you can say, hey, I just heard a sermon that really convicted me, and I feel like I'm not, I, there's all these times I'm misunderstanding what God is saying. Can you help me discern some things together? I do that in my life. I've done that in my life for 20, I've been walking with Christ for almost 30 years. I don't know if there's ever been a season that I haven't had somebody that I could just deeply confide in and say, I need help in this moment. I mean, look at how it's worded in Acts chapter 17. This is the early church. The people together searched the scriptures day after day to check up on Paul and Silas to see if they were really teaching the truth. I love that accountability. I know many of you do that with us here at the church to check us, to make sure we're all going in a spirit-filled direction. You know, leadership-wise, I've established a team of people around me and around our leadership council around the church here, and, and I have a, a phenomenal team of people who deeply discern what God is doing. And I believe we've been able to navigate the pandemic because we lean heavily on each other because we'll say, hey, I'm getting a prompting that we should take this step as a church. Can you confirm it with me? And incredible things happen. We had a, a pretty cool, um, just so many ups and downs through a pandemic. And we've been kind of frustrated with the, uh, every decision you make seems to get counteracted by the governor. And sometimes you, the CDC says something that makes us go, ah, we got to stop. And like today, we were supposed to be outside and then we found out differently. Now we found out through some other people that we can actually do it. So everybody outside. <laughs> but this week it was rainy anyway and we thought we probably would have canceled anyway. And so God actually maybe protected us in this. And, um, but we have a phenomenal team around us. And one, I just want to call out in an email that I just want to read quickly. We've, this executive team of mine, the, the core team that I've been just praying with and discerning with, 
Greg Niver is one of those on there. He's the head of our facilities around all of Watermark and all the campuses and 18 different buildings. We have all this responsibility. And uh, he got an email and he was talking through all the campus pastors and what we were talking about. What are we going to do in the fall and the next steps? And how do we, as we go away from ticketing slowly in, in the 13th and as we move toward all the things ahead, we're like, how do we do this as kids come on and students? And it's exhausting talking about COVID all the time. So he wrote this email to our team and he said, the campus pastors are in agreement with the, the steps that we're taking. And then he wrote this. There is also a deep concern in the church and they, the campus pastors and other leaders, are concerned that the Holy Spirit is going to fall upon us as a congregation. They would like us to discuss as a team if we should require folks to start wearing a hard hat to church in the worship services. This could possibly eliminate potential head injuries from the spirits falling upon us. And then he wrote at the end, COVID is not the only thing we need to keep talking about. That's the body of Christ. You see, I feel the pressure of making sure that we protect and, and create a safe environment. But I've surrounded myself with people who are discerning the voice of God as well and keeping the main thing the main thing. That's what the body of Christ is wired to do. That's what we're supposed to do as a church. And so I'm telling you, I cannot make it through this life alone. And neither can you. And that's what brings us to this tub of water right here. We have a whole group of people today that are celebrating at our different campuses, but we have several here that are going to be baptized now. And we're going to stand and we're going to sing and we're going to worship here in just a moment. And as we do then, we're going to have some uh, five or six people that are going to come and declare their public faith in Jesus Christ. That's the point to baptism. It's not the moment of salvation. The moment of salvation is the moment you repent of your sin and say, Jesus, I want to follow you with my life. Jesus promises you become a child of God in that moment and you can follow him all the days of your life. Baptism is then the public declaration that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to cheer them on and we're going to say we're with you. You're never alone. We can discern the voice of God together. And so this is a great moment of, of if you will, this is a moment of saying, we, this is a public membership moment. Like, I, I'm a part of the, the body of Christ, not just the, a part of this church. I'm a part of the bigger story of God throughout the entire globe. This is a big celebration. And this is what we're here for today, to be able to know. I'm reminded when I see these people get baptized, that's my journey as well. I'm not alone either. And I can hear God's voice. I've got the scriptures that will help me remember, is it written? And I can search the scriptures to make sure I'm hearing God's voice. And I know the Holy Spirit speaks to me, and he'll give me promptings, and he'll invite me to, to bear fruit. And if that fruit bears love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that stuff comes out of me. That's just evidence God is taking me in this beautiful direction. Then I've got this beautiful, look at you guys, beautiful body of Christ. All of you online, I just love you guys. It's a privilege that we get to do life and ministry together to protect each other and to hear God's voice together. And so I want to pray over your story right now and over all of these that are about to be baptized. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your offer of salvation and your offer to have conversation moment by moment. I pray first and foremost, if anyone is hearing my voice that doesn't know you, that they will have the courage to repent of their sin and follow you, to make you the Lord and the Savior and Lord of their life. 
And Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit will, just as Greg Niver has been praying over us as a congregation, will fall heavy on us with every step that we take to the point where we have to wear hard hats. God, that we will just be filled to overflowing, walking in, in lockstep with you, so close to you as our beautiful Savior. And so, Lord, I just pray right now that you will uh, continue to give us ears to hear, discernment with each of our decisions, that they will be uh, truly uh, as a result of hearing from you. And now, Lord, I pray for these beautiful individuals who are saying yes to being a part of the bigger body of Christ publicly, professing their faith in you, Lord Jesus. This water is a beautiful symbol of cleansing that is happening in their very soul. And so for that, we celebrate and we, we cheer them on as we cheer you on. In Jesus' name, all God's children said, amen, amen.